Uh, this is an oral history interview with Bill Taggart uh, for the Robert J. Dole Institute of Politics at the University of Kansas. We're in the Taggart residence in Arlington, Virginia, and today is July 18, 2007, and I'm Brian Williams. We're also joined by Bill's wife, Judy, who's at the table, and by my wife, who's a, um, working on this project with me, Carol Ruppel. So, Bill, let's start with just a little bit about your family roots, uh, where they came from and got to Kansas. Uh, well, we assume they were uh, part of the MacTaggart clan out of Scotland. How they came to the United States, we don't know. Uh, they seem to have settled, however, in uh, Iowa in the late 1800s. And that's where my father uh, was the oldest of eight kids, uh, eight children, and uh, he ran after his father died. He had to run that place by a farm by himself, where they were they were feeding some cattle and uh, and selling milk and so forth and raising their own food. The uh, loss of his parents put a big herd, hurdle on him, so they um, had to hire a housekeeper or some, somebody to cook, and they found uh, Desi, who became Mrs. Logan Taggart, and she was uh, lived in... It's a little town north of Emporia. Olpe. Olpe, Kansas. And uh, she was quite capable of, uh, of uh, keeping house. Her mother didn't want her to take the job because here was this widow, uh, I guess what they call him, a widower with a bunch of kids and going to move out to the farm with him. And she says, don't you go out there, you'll get knocked up before anything happens. And, and no, 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 I won't, I'm just going to work. Well, she went to work, and it was, uh, they raised their food, they canned the products, they raised, as far as gardens go, everybody worked on it, but uh, with that many kids, you couldn't count on them. And there was a varying age, uh, I'm not sure we can... We looked that up, but it's um, Logan was the oldest, and then uh, Ben and Gid and Ruth and on down the line. Now, Logan was your father. Yes, Logan Coyd. And he married this woman. That married uh, Desi uh, Oakley. Desi Oakley, Oakley, yeah. Mm -hmm. Desi Oakley, O-A-K-L-E-Y, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they came uh, from, they came out in a covered wagon that their family had. And we have one box mm -hmm. around the house here someplace that was, uh, well, it was in the covered wagon and uh, we use it to keep toys in downstairs for the grandchildren. 
And, and they came to Kansas? Came to Kansas with that in the back. And uh, well, now this, this is their parents. Uh, they met Bessie and Oakland. Logan met in that Emporia surrounding area because uh, some of the boys went in town and worked and uh, maybe gone, went to uh, even to Emporia. Uh, Gideon and, and uh, Ben would probably have done that, and uh, they, uh, of course, uh, Ruth and, uh, well, I guess Ruth went off with, uh, uh, hmm. Ruth, Ruth stayed in Iowa. Ruth stayed in Iowa. She never okay, when they moved These down. These are your uncles and aunts? These are your uncles and aunts. Yes, uh, there's part of the. Uh, there were two women, or two girls, uh, Ruth, and uh, Margaret. Mm -hmm. and that's it. And then what about your dad? Where did he settle in Kansas? Uh, well, he was raised there on the farm in Opie. and uh, as were the kids. And then some of them, Ruth, Ruth went off with an aunt, and I don't know who it was, and went to Iowa, went back to Iowa. I guess that's what it was. Well, at what point did they move? The, your ancestors, your family, moved from Iowa down to Kansas. When did that happen? I think it had to be the early to mid twenties. Nineteen twenties. Yes, mm -hmm. because he he was born in thirty one. And he was, well, he was the last one born, so it had to be early 20s. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, your father in Kansas, what was he doing? He was farming. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, they ran some, they fed some cattle, and uh, they grazed on the hills around there and that they had access to. And they raised forage and put up uh, silage. And in those days, they didn't even have uh, silos. They had uh, a rolled-up fence we see now used to break up snow, keep from snow accumulating into a field. Uh, the snow fence, they would take the rolls of that and make a circle around a bunch of silage and let it set. And then they put another roll around another stack of silage and go up about 20, 15 to 20 feet, uh, about, oh, 20 feet across diameter. And that's the way they fed the cattle during the winter. So it's, you grew up on the farm? No. No, we, uh, we left there. Uh, I was born in Manhattan. And at that time... My dad was uh, working uh, for the McPherson Concrete Stave and Silo Company because he had. Uh, they started making these silos out of concrete or sections of concrete that you put together like a puzzle, and put a steel rim around it like a, like a pizza pie uh, has a curve around it. Well, there was a, a long piece of steel or, or band of steel fastened together by bolts around those stave silos 
and they'd take them up to about so oh, 40 feet, I guess, or maybe 50 or they later on. Now we have what's known as A.O. Smith harvestors, which are like a large thermos jar, and uh, this protects the food that the livestock eats. So did your father stay in this business? Yeah, out of that he ended up, uh, he was one of the first ones that took a hold of the, that uh, silo concept, and he started uh, getting silage wherever he could get it and putting it up, and then he did it for some people, but mainly just for himself. It was an existence with all these kids. And how did the Depression impact your family? Hmm. Well, Dad was uh, working for the silo company, and they I think they split up a lot then, and Ben and Gid went to Lyons, Kansas, and opened a pool hall. Uh, they had several children, and... Uh, uh, Ruth went up to Iowa, of course, uh, didn't spend much time. I think she left as they went to the farm. Mm -hmm. But uh, she went to Iowa and married Wilbur Kempenar, and they had several children up there. And what, uh, what memories, do you have memories of the Depression? No, not really. What about the dust bowl? Now we're talking about 3031, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, See, of course uh, you wouldn't. I'm sorry. No. So, of course you wouldn't. It's 29, what 30, and 31. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty tight, but... Uh, I'm sorry, right. It was the I was conceived during that. They didn't have anything to eat. <laughs> what about the dust bowl? The what? The dust bowl. Dust bowl? Yeah. Didn't have that in central Kansas mm -hmm. as bad as you have it west of there. You'll find that uh, the Arkansas River uh, keeps things pretty green. That and a couple of them come down the border along uh, uh, the Missouri line. But we had, uh, uh, there was, if you planted your, that's what Dad was specializing in. And he got some information from Kansas State because through the county agents. And they were every on top of things, and I think they helped helped him with his silo projects and things like that and uh, that protected that kept the thing going and the boys all went out on their own so it uh, it all affected them but they were on their own anyway and they were doing pretty humble stuff that had to be done so uh, yes it was rough for them but I don't know because I wasn't there did your father stay in that business while you were growing up? Very much so. My, no, my, my family didn't, but my dad did. Uh, nobody went to World War I, but they all made it up into the 20s. And my father went to a business college in Emporia just to learn something. You know, I don't know how he did it, but it was... Uh, to get up some idea of how to borrow money and what, whatever. And all this time, my mother was cooking and raising children. How big a family was it? How many kids? Well, it would vary from 
it, it shrunk as the years went on, but it started out with eight, and then two of the girls went. Uh, Margaret went over, married West Stevenson, and then uh, the um, Ruth went north and married Kempinar. And well, you 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 were one of eight, and you were the youngest. Is that am I, did I get that right? No. Uh, my dad was the oldest of eight. The youngest was Paul Taggart, and he was uh, around Manhattan and Wamego, and still his family still is. But uh, we skipped a generation. So. Your dad's generation. Right. Now we need to go down to Bill's right. generation. Your generation. My generation. How many okay. brothers and sisters did you have? I had four. Um, I had four. There were three. I had three three brothers. I was born in 31. Uh, There's five years between me and Dale. So he was born in uh, 26. And that would have put Dick born in 24 and Coyd in 22. Now, as you were growing up, um, what kind of political discussion did you hear your parents uh, were they talking much about politics? Oh, on occasion. And I think uh, you told me that uh, they didn't agree. That's right. So my dad was a businessman. I mean, he went. He was promoting business. He knew how to work and how to get make money by working. And so, and he was a Republican, and my mother was a hard-nosed Democrat. And when the subject of Roosevelt came up, uh, how did things go? They went two different directions. And uh, Dad would vote Republican and she'd vote Democrat. But they they never said anything about it because we knew how they felt. We yeah. didn't know why. We didn't know go into the subject matter. But we knew that they they were both, whenever whoever was elected, they supported did that cause you to shy away from politics at all at that time? Because it no. sounded like it was a tension subject? No. Not at all, because we had the same fights going on uh, different ways with the rest of that family, my dad's family, and with my mother's family. I mean, they, everybody was trying to decide which they liked. And uh, they seemed like the Republicans were hiring more people, I think. And, and that's what my dad was promoting, and mother was was interested because the Democrats took care of a lot of people. And that's a simple way to express it. It was all, a lot more complicated than that with with Social Security, which was instituted in the time, and that was quite a shocker. But uh, it also was paid off like gangbusters because it's taking care of a lot of people. So people at that time in Kansas took politics pretty seriously. People, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, <laughs> about the same percentage that it does today at about the same time that it does today. I mean, it's a historical trend, I think. And if you went percentage-wise, it might be uh, we aren't as interested as they were, especially locally. So, um, and which town is this that you grew up in? Uh, Manhattan, but I don't, oh, that was where I was born, and then they moved to 
uh, Wichita when he went with McPherson stage and uh, concrete stage silo. So and, you went uh, to, uh, to Wichita schools? Yes, I started at uh, College Hill Elementary, uh, which is right at the foot of uh, 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 the only hill in Wichita, which is not a hill, it's a slope. But uh, it's in the plains, and uh, we had, uh, oh, it was uh, from art. We lived on hillside, and it was kind of the breaking line. You had uh, Eastboro, which was north about two miles, and then you had uh, another mile in between, and that was kind of the high highfalutin or high-priced high houses and high-priced people. And then we lived on Hillside, and uh, there was, I worked in grocery stores when I was a kid. I, I asked if I could go to work. I'd like to go to movies, and they had Brer Fox Club, which was a Saturday show for kids. I suppose they still have them. But uh, I would go out and sell script books for the um, the tele the the theater, the Uptown Theater, because they saw that I liked to go to the movies, and so a uh, guy said, "Well, if you can sell some script tickets, books of two or five five dollars was a big one. I'd get for a two dollar one, I'd get a pass, and for a five dollar one, I might get three. Well, I went around and called on all the little old ladies who liked to go to movies in the afternoon, which that's what they wanted, was good somebody there in the afternoon, because they'd get some at night otherwise. And, uh, hell, I, uh, I didn't miss a movie, anything that went to the Uptown movie. And uh, I was uh, taking kids with me. They didn't like that, so I just... Uh, got off of that. I I may have started on, they were trying to start me on a commission basis when I said, no, I think I'm going to go to work for Reed Coble Grocery, which was just north of the Uptown Theater in Wichita, the hillside in Douglas. And, and so I uh, started work at Reed Coble and learned what produce was and how it was marketed in a, a little real retail store, but it was catered to the people who lived in an apartment house like we see around here all the time, only of a smaller nature, called Hill, Hill, Hillcrest. And it was rental houses, and uh, a lot of widows lived there. And we would deliver groceries to them and, and uh, put them in their little cubby hole and, and they, so they didn't have to answer the door or nothing. And, and we also delivered groceries all over. And then uh, there was another store just uh, west of there called Landrum's, Landrum's Pure Food Market. And it was run by two men. Uh, and it was a step up. It went from, hills, from hillside east, clear on out to Oliver, which is one mile, and then clear out to Eastboro, which is another mile. And so you went to work for them? I went to work for them, and I went from, uh, uh, 
I don't know why I was making 10 cents an hour at Reed Coble and then maybe went went to 15 cents. Were you still doing this work when you were in high school? Uh, no. No, this is when I was uh, in grade school. Uh, and by the time I got to high school, I, I was working for Landrums. And out of that, and then I... I got out. My older brother Dale, who was five years older, was working at Safeway and making a, you know, he was making seventy-five cents an hour, and that's a lot of money. So I ended up quitting Landrums and going over to Safeway and working at Safeway Six Twenty Five for Jack Dempsey, who was the manager of the store, and uh, I was in Fat City. I was. <laughs> I thought I had arrived. So as this young high school uh, student, were you uh, thinking you wanted to become a movie star because of all these movies you were seeing? No, I just like to, be I like to be entertained. And we had a lot of friends, that, a lot of guys that were magicians and, and did a lot of things, and I was more interested in, in just uh, working, and, and uh, I wasn't worried about what I was going to be. And then this all pushed me in a, a direction I I never thought of, but uh, I found out I had money I could do things. Uh, so I uh, when it came I was in junior high school. I uh, took a lot of different courses and got into government and things like that, and I learned something about government. And uh, but at the same time, I was interested in how I was, you know, I was working in the grocery store, but I thought maybe there was something else. So long story short, I uh, went to ended up at East High, which was right near the junior high school, uh, and I went into a vocational printing school. We had welding, and because welding and uh, plumbing and trades that were, I guess, cart they were drafting, and you could design houses and stuff like that, and you go through three years of that, and uh, in your high school years, you started in your senior year at junior high, and you learn your trade. Now, as I recall, you also were becoming interested in politics and started going to Boys State during high school. Well, that was, that was while I was in high school. So describe that a little bit. Well, I was, it was kind of a fluke because I was a vocational student, and it was the, even, we were the shop boys, they called us. <clears throat> but in the junior year, uh, they needed somebody to uh, to go, I don't know how I was selected. I guess I may have gotten involved in, I, I knew a lot of kids, and I was, a lot of kids knew me because I was the biggest guy around. And because uh, I stood probably six inches taller than most of them. And uh, so yes, I was, I was chosen by the, the school to go as, to the American Legion Boys State, 
at North High School for one week during the summer. And uh, there I learned all the basics that I'd studied about in junior high on how elections are conducted, but we experienced it there. We elected, first day we elected precinct committeemen, and then we had nominations that night and elected nominees for to run for mayor, for county commissioners, and all those things, and then our cities voted and our counties voted. All took place in, you know, in an hourly schedule, and you had to go around and shake hands and make your acquaintance to all your constituents. I didn't realize this at the time. I was just doing it because they told us to. Yeah. But I was learning, and we learned what we got. And uh, I ran for something, and I got elected because people never fought me. And uh, so we worked through that, and uh, at the end of that, uh, I had a—I I never forgot that the American Legion— had had really was father of it and still continues it. Then I um, I went to oh the trade school. We my I, I wanted to get a job training uh, school, uh, using my training, so I. Uh, they we they said well in your senior year you can go work in the shop and get paid for it half a day. So I uh, got looking around and uh, somebody told me I guess uh, some of the guys the printers that that uh, had been there said that the Christian Worker Publishing Company was looking for somebody. I mean McCormick Armstrong was located there which is a, a top notch. They published books and everything, but uh, I went to Christian Worker Publishing Company and asked if uh, they wanted a, a a new printer, and they liked the price. So I don't know what I was making, but it was still under a dollar, I think. I I want to keep this a little closer to the politics okay. part of your life than, than the printing yeah. right now, um, but I, I remember that. Uh, your your printing took you to what university or college was it? University of Kansas. And that was not unlike what I'd done before because I didn't know where I'd go. And my printing teacher uh, at Wichita East, I talked to him about it, and uh, I said, if I had to go to college, where would I go? And he said, well, I don't know where you want to go, and I said, I, I, it's not where I want to go, it's where I can go. And he said, well, University of Kansas is a state school, so they got to take you if you graduated from a high school here. So he says, I learned printing up in, the guy that was teaching printing, uh, Barry, his name is Barry, uh, I keep thinking Wallace, and this wasn't Wallace Berry, but it was, uh, he was a fine gentleman, and he really taught me a lot about it. And uh, he called his friend that he had gone to trade school with him up in Dakotas, and he was superintendent of the University of Kansas Press, and he says, tell him he's got a job. 
So just to cut short, so I went to the went up there. I went up there, worked my way through the University of Kansas, and got a degree. You got a degree from KU. Well, yeah, but a lot went through that. That was four years and interrupted by going overseas or going to uh, the army and coming back. And that but was the point there is, uh, when I went to the University of Kansas, I ran into all these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them that I'd been in Boys State. And there was politics on the campus. And so we became somewhat of, uh, well, we weren't the, the bosses. There was the big fight there uh, between Greeks and independents, and of course, I was independent, and people like Kent Frizzell was uh, uh, in law school, and uh, so we. But we all enjoyed politics, and we that what, what we learned at Boy State was that it didn't make any difference where you were from, uh, as long as you you went and got the votes. So we broke down the university in the same way we broke down Boy State and we got some campaigns going there. But we maintained our contact. And uh, I was, uh, I lived in rooming houses and, and uh, then I lived in a dormitory the last year or two. And that gave me a new exposure to a lot of other people including some Arabs and and uh, all kinds of people that went in there, and it was a World War II barracks-type arrangement where you had just a, I think it was, I could, when I laid down the bed, I was touching both sides of the room. <laughs> and uh, then we had showers down the way and, uh, and uh, restrooms. Now, it was how, 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 um how soon had World War II ended at this point when you were at the university? Was was this the 40s? Yeah, it wasn't ended. It's, uh, it was during I, wartime. No, no, it had ended. Well, ended the time you went to uh, to college. I graduated in 48. Right, and it had been over for three years. You graduated mm -hmm. from high school in 1948. Mm -hmm. Yeah, graduated yeah. in 48. Oh. And then I went to KU and uh, took a limited number of hours because I was working and I knew it would take me a little longer. I wasn't going to worry about that, but I had to make my grades. The nice thing about this was I maintained my contact with guys from all over Kansas through the Boys State program and on a local basis there with uh, the collegiate uh, work, and then by working in the shop, the print shop, I knew a lot of people in uh, Lawrence because I stayed there all summer and worked in the shop, and I got acquainted in Lawrence, so I knew something about Lawrence politics. So I got a, little, I did a lot of grunt work for that, but I, like I had every in every political thing I did, you started the ground up. Did you know at this point that you were a Republican? No. No, I was just, uh, oh, I did <coughs> I, uh, I wasn't anything. I mean, uh, I was judging 
I guess you you just kind of get acquainted with people and make a judgment. And I think that's the way people vote, except that that's if they're really interested. Otherwise, they do something because somebody asked them to and they believe in them. And the more people you talk to, if you're really convinced, uh, the more people you can convert. So you went to KU, and then you were in the Army. And well, I was, I was going to be drafted, uh, and so I volunteered for the draft because it just makes sense. And it was also didn't interrupt my... Uh, my school time, I went at the end of a spring semester, which was summer, and I went to Fort Leonard Wood. And when I was checked in at Fort Leonard Wood, uh, they, well, first of all, I knew I was going to be drafted because in, they called me in for a physical and uh, I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm, so I enlisted and or volunteered for the draft was the term. When I got down there, they uh, took us in on a bus and they issued us clothes. Well, they didn't have anything to fit me. So I got fatigues. They went over and they had a some sort of a sewing deal there. And, and so they put together a set of fatigues for it because I was standing six foot two or three, I don't know. And uh, there were a couple. Uh, Scoggins was the platoon guide and that's the tallest man in the company. The uh, next one was uh, Neil Webb who played basketball for uh, one of the schools in Wisconsin. And then uh, Skaggs, uh, oh, I can't remember his name exactly, but he was he was a, a black, and he was our platoon guide. So it all broke down that way, and I had to, long story short, at the end of my basic training, which was 16, 18 months, uh, the war was coming to an end. So I was assigned to, well, no, I, no, beg your pardon. It was right at the peak of it, and the guys all shipped out. And I had to stay there because I didn't have Class A uniform. And so they figured it'd be they'd have the Class A's, but... They plan ahead on who you're going to ship, when they're going to ship, and they couldn't ship. So by the time they got ready to ship, I had my class A's. But uh, when they'd fall out for parades, I would stay in the barracks because uh, they, they couldn't answer that. But uh, then I, so I, when I got my my uh, class A's. I, the war was still on, and I was uh, working as a clerk typist in uh, division artillery office. And uh, so they had me writing some stuff and doing, I, they found out I was a journalist and 
so they let me do some filing and, and things like that, but they also let it give us access to typewriters and had some task force to do, which we did, and then we we handled a little bit of the education of the troops because we knew something about what was going on, and they had their I&E sections. Where were you stationed? At Fort Leonard Wood. Still Fort Leonard Wood. Mm-hmm. Did, Fort you Leonard. Ever, did you ever ship overseas? Nope. So when when did you separate from the military? Well, uh, well, we was two years later. Well, I went on to Fort Hood, Texas, and did I got into information and education there, I and E, and which is related to PR. But uh, that was to they just Congress passed a law that every non-commissioned officer had to have a high school education, equivalency, equivalency, which is a basic courses. And our section in I&E for Third Corps in Texas, which is two divisions, we were, we had to go out and teach these master sergeants and sergeant first class and all those, uh, they all, the officers had to have it first all, and they had they were taken care of when they got their commission. But we had to go out and and train these guys until they get their education up, or they had to have a high school diploma. Well, some of them came up with high school diplomas, but we were in charge with keeping them up. And to do this, we had to uh, take them and. They would, we'd go out, we did do it on bivouac, we'd bring them in. They wouldn't go on bivouac until we got them cleared to go. They had to have some basics. And they, this, some of them didn't have language or anything else. And so you did this kind of work right yeah, through to the end of your Right, it was information and education. And so we we worked with these guys and I got a, a good cross-section of people there. And the frustrating thing was, uh, Master Sergeant Vickers, I can't think of his name now, but he called me and he says, Carpal, come on, we're going to go out. And he says, we've lost some tests. We had evaluation tests that we gave to these guys that have been in two wars and stuff like that, and they they were going to take their stripes away from them because they didn't have a high school education. So they were taking mathematics and English and so forth. And so we had to administer these tests. And so the Master Sergeant Ed Veach, he had been career for years and years, and all he had was a high school education. But he knew the Army top to bottom. And he uh, asked us to uh, go out and... oh. Veach called me, and he's, he's, I was bigger than most of them, so he wanted wanted me to go out with him to bivouac where they were on maneuvers. And to see this one master sergeant, which had not answered where his, he hadn't turned his test, his paper in. Well, they had stolen the test and was going to try and get somebody else to do it. And so Veach says, come on, Corporal, we're going to go out and see Sergeant so-and-so. So we went out there, and he says, 
Now, don't you, you don't go in with me. I'm going to, we'll go in together and then you leave and I'll talk to him in private. Well, when, and I went back to the Jeep and he stayed there in the, in the tent with the guy. He asked him where it was. He says, you know, I had to do this myself and uh, we've got to, we've got to do it. What did you do with the test? And he finally got him, convinced him and he says, well, I put it in the latrine. So Mr. Sergeant Veach came and got me. He says, now, come on, we're going to take this guy over to the latrine. And they called, got a truck or something, and they lifted the latrine off of the hole in the ground. And he says, okay, Sergeant, go down there and get it. So he got down there in the middle of it, got the, the test out, and brought it up. We made sure it was it had the number on it that we were accounting for, and we all signed a certificate later that this was the test and that he was not going to be kicked out of the army. And we gave him special classes, and as we did all of them, it was fun because these guys, their life had been in the army. <clears throat> so we, uh, Veach. Uh, when he took the thing and went over, and they they built a little fire and burned it on the spot. And they had two SFCs or master sergeants sign along with us that that was that was burned and damaged, or destroyed. And that was a very important. That really taught me a lot about people and, and what they have to go through, and what can result, and the system works. Um, <clears throat> when did you uh, first have contact with uh, Bob Dole? Okay. Was that long after your military service? Well, that's what I'm, I'm I'll cut this and I can cut this down quite a bit. I went back and I got into the service and went to work for the Wichita Eagle as a salesman for advertising because I'd been a printer and been to journalism school before I went because I'd, I'd, uh, I'd finished up. What had I finished? Well, that's confusing me a little bit. Uh, what it basically meant was I had to go back and finish my school, which took a uh, something short of a year. I was welcomed by the press and, you know, the university press, so I had my job. And I went back and finished school. And uh, during that time, uh, I made a contact with a former employee at the university press who ran a typesetting business in Kansas City. And on the weekends, I'd go over there and make more money on a weekend than I did in the months at the university press. So I got that and uh, was doing pretty well. And along uh, towards the end of that, <clears throat> uh, I was dating a girl from Hutchinson, and uh, we had a mutual friend who had gone to New York uh, to work on the department store economist, and then she went on to other things, and then. She came back all of a sudden, and I was dating Sue Berry, and we found out she was up in 
Atchison, and so she was going to come down to Wichita. And I didn't know she was back. I was, uh, Sue had her come down, and I walked in, and there was Judy. And she had uh, been working in New York City. So that's how I hooked up with her. And two weeks later, I was up there knocking on her door. And uh, six months or a year later, we got married. And that was uh, so in the 50s. But out of that, I finished my school. And when I got out, I had a job at the Wichita Eagle. And we moved to Wichita and uh, got involved in politics there with Kurt, uh, with, um, who's the guy from Oklahoma? His son was just made a judge. Oh, Kent Frizzell. Kent Frizzell. Kent Frizzell had been there, and he was uh, assistant attorney general. If he wasn't attorney general, but he was an assistant uh, for under the uh, administration. Republican administration. The governor. Yeah, Kent Frisell, and he's now still, he's practicing law, but he's in Wichita, and and his son was just made a bench, uh, pointed to a federal bench down in uh, Oklahoma. So were you still on the Wichita paper when you had contact with Dole? Yeah. Well. No. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. From Wichita, I went to Hutchinson, to open, I'm sorry about that. I, I was contacted by a man out of Dodge City, who said I want to start a a central edition of a High Plains Journal that was published out of Dodge City. So Joe Berkeley hired me to open an office in Hutchinson and sell advertising for the High Plains Journal, Kansas edition. And then after we got that going, uh, I hired another guy that I'd gone to high school with to be out in Boulder and sell advertising for a Colorado edition. And that was when I first... Well, I guess actually I didn't meet Bob Dole yet. I, I, I was active in politics from the first day I was in Wichita because I met Julian Zimmerman at the university uh, who was, uh, had gone back to finish his school when he got out of the service, and he had married quite well. And so we all... Uh, uh, I... I found out about Joe Berkeley, and so we moved to Hutchinson to open this office in the airport at Hutchinson. Now, <coughs> excuse me, the um, airport in Hutchinson had a little office there, and and uh, it was, it turned out to be kind of unnecessary, but we were there for about six months, and long enough from my my wife had had Lura in Wichita, and she had Bill in Wichita, 
Did you give up, Judy? Did you give up your career when you were when you moved well, when to the, Kansas? No. 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 And what I worked. I was working. She's I older. was a well. I was a copy editor for an advertising agency in uh, Kansas City, and had worked for KMBC before that. And then when we married, I worked for one of the radio stations in uh, Cake, it was, in Wichita. In Wichita. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then when I started to have children, I didn't. And then I did some freelancing. Oh, we had two then. Yeah. When we were right. working for Berkeley. So, mm -hmm. Bill, you became, you were involved in the, um, what do they call it again? The, oh, I'm sorry. What? What was over the Boy State? What's the organization of? Oh, the American the Legion. Legion. Yeah. You were involved with the American Legion, right? And then you, um, this is while you were publishing two weeklies. I was publishing uh, a weekly newspaper with two different editions. Yeah. It was for covering from the Rockies to to uh, the Mississippi for farmers. It, and, um, it wasn't a big established one, but it was. We were trying. We were selling it how we could, and uh, it was printed in uh, in Missouri at a, a very good print house, mm -hmm. and uh, they. It and was that's how you got to know um, Julian Zimmerman. Yeah. No, I knew that. I met him in college when okay. I came back. He and his wife were there. He had been in the service and had a law degree, and, or he was getting his law degree. And he's the one who got you involved in the American Legion? No. Oh. No. I went, well, did that on my own you got because of Boys State. Because of Boys State. And, yeah. Okay. And your KU activities and so on. And, and, then, and then when I went to KU, I stayed active in that and in politics at KU. And then you went to a convention in Washington for the American Legion with Sibelius and, no, Sibelius was in office already. Uh, Sibelius was uh, a commander of the American, state commander of the American Legion, oh. as was uh, another guy from Junction City who was active there. And when I, uh, oh, well, my contact with Dole comes in Johnson County. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. I, no. I met him out there in Dodge. You, yeah, I started in Dodge, Yeah, right? I started in Dodge. I knew of him. You know, he was in Congress then. No, wasn't he running, and you, you worked for the candidate that opposed him in the primary? I worked, I've heard you I tell worked that. for the party. I didn't know who was working. We didn't, were not in his district for, for... He wasn't the first district? No. Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. So this is when he ran in, in 59-60 for the House? That's uh, when he ran for Senate's when I really got acquainted with him. But you already knew him when he was in the I House. I knew him because of the, the American Legion, because I'd been active in state politics, and they were always close to the members. And so there's a guy out of uh, Fred Bramlage, out of uh, Junction City, and... Uh, um, Oh, Bill Haney. Bill Haney. Bill Haney and Keith Sibelius were all very active in the American Legion. Was the American Legion, was it a natural fit to be Republican? No. Not at all. 
No, but the tendency, it, it depends on the local area of what your politics is. A lot governed by local area uh, to a point. And then when it comes to federal offices, people start thinking differently about federal than they do about, they don't lump it all together. There are some communities, I guess, where they lump it all together. But, uh, last time you talked about having gone to Washington with the, um, foreign, with the American Legion. Right. And having uh, met with Sebelius when he was in the House. Right. And... That um, was with Bramlage and Sebelius, and we'd all been active in the Legion. This is when I was in Wichita and when I went to Lawrence or whatever, but it's uh, it, it all kind of blends in on a different track. But and it then was. you worked for Sebelius's um, campaign. Oh yeah. At, to run for the Senate, he he was one of the primary. No. He was in the primary. I yeah. got I I worked for him to put him in the house. First worked for him to put him in, in the house. house. And, and then, then when he ran for the Senate. Did he run for the Senate? I don't remember Sabias uh, ever uh, running for the that. Senate. Oh uh, no, he was. He was all. He was always in the House, and then yeah, Dole, yeah. and Dole ran for the House after Sabias was already was, there. Was on Sabias' staff. Yeah. And that's when I got to know him, and I was. I ended up on Dole's staff. And Pat had come from North Central Kansas, and. Uh, up around north of north of uh, was it Horton or what? Around Oskaloosa. Oscaloosa mm-hmm. and and there were was in had gotten interested in in in, adver- in journalism. But uh, didn't somebody lose? So that didn't Sedelius lose an election? It must have been then a house election. And you and Dole called you and asked you to work for him. Is that right? Oh no, no, that's no, not no, right. no, no. This was. Uh, the the contact with Dole, I had, I had met him through Republican politics, just meeting him. But uh, how he heard about me was in Johnson County, when he uh, oh, I had run a campaign against him that's right. for. Uh, Sabias, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah. I that's think you'd work for Sabias. Yeah. They were opposing each other when Sabias first yeah. went into the yeah. house. Yeah, that was it. And and so, I had been when uh, when Dole went to the Senate. Then he called me and says, "Come on up." He knew about my work with the High Plains Journal and and journalism, so he said, "Come on up and be be on my ag committee." You didn't work for Dole until 74? 70. 70. 70. Oh, 70. And there, there's, a little, there's a little twist there. Uh, Bill was working at the Board of Trade for the co-op, and they moved their headquarters, and Bill wasn't happy there anyway. Magazine. The ma- he was doing their magazine, and so he really decided that he'd like to go. Uh, we'd all like to go overseas and, and get a job with one of the organizations, one of the farm organizations that had overseas offices. So a friend of his here, uh, who was a journalist with the Ag Department, 
said, why don't you come back and I'll set up some interviews. And he talked to Dole. And Walter Dole Bunch. got it. No. Um, well, I'll think of her name. Anyway, uh, Spursum. Helen Spursum. Helen Spursum. And yeah. uh, so he came back. That was a big deal for us to get the money for him to come back. And you spent several days. And Dole actually sent, set up some interviews for you because you called him and said you, you were looking for a job and wanted to go overseas. And so when you came back here, you came home and you said, I wouldn't work for the Department of Agriculture for all the tea in China. I don't want to be part of that bureaucracy. And he called Dole and told him that and talked to Dole. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Dole said, okay. well, you want to come to work for me? And Bill said, why not? He says, well, I need an ag person. And they've been pushing me to get one. Yeah. So that's Bill right. took the job in early December before Christmas. He just said, yeah, I'll come. And uh, this, you haven't talked to Judy Harbaugh yet. No. Well, um, so I said, well, how much is he going to pay you? And he said, I have no idea. So Judy called and she said, and she didn't know Bill, but she called and she said, Mr. Taggart, we need to set up a salary because you don't need to bring your family back here for no money. So she set the salary for him <laughs> and we came back. But it was purely... Um, With his blessing. Well, well, that's he hired you on the phone, but it was yeah. because, without any hesitation, yeah. you said, "Yeah, but I'll come do this." But how did you have expertise in agriculture? Because I'd been writing these stories mm -hmm. and stuff, and been working with the wheat growers. I'd worked on farms when I was a kid, uh, very uh, indirectly sometimes, but I was familiar with agriculture. But I got intimately acquainted with it, with the High Plains Journal, and writing stories about it, and dealing with farmers all the time, and with the wheat growers, which was part and parcel. They sold all their subscriptions for it. So it was a, a close-knit group. Not uh, You know that politics exists in agriculture, uh, but it's, it's bipartisan because you have to, if you're on a farm program, but uh, both Republican and Democrat <coughs> were helping support the farmers in Kansas. Well, um, you, uh, you started working when Dole made you the offer to come work for him. Was it on his personal staff yes, or his committee on staff? personal staff. In 1970, you think it was? Mm -hmm. It was in 1969, made the offer in December, and we went in the 1st of January. So you started when Dole started in the Senate. Yeah. Right. right. They've been there <clears throat> a short time. There was a <coughs> there was a uh, a whole new group there, and uh, Bill Katz was the AA, and uh, he'd been with the prior senator uh, before and stayed on because Carlson. he knew the ropes. Was it, was it Carlson? Senator Carlson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had known Frank Carlson when I visited the Capitol through the Boy State program. So that was, I mean, he didn't know me personally. He, he knew, he had met me officially, but I, you know, I had met him when he was in office. So that didn't hurt when Dole saw that. So... What, I, what pushed you from the personal committee of Dole, excuse me, the personal staff of Dole, to his committee staff. Why did you make that transition? Uh, that came when uh, somebody from our side 
retired or whatever, or may have, if that was, it, it depends, if somebody got, was there somebody that got appointed off, off of the staff and Dole, uh, the senator who was ranking on the Republican side was... Was it Curtis at that time? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. I think so. Yeah, the guy from from Vermont or... No, from... Uh, he had left. Oh, yeah. But, uh, and that put Curtis in, and so when Curtis got in... Uh, he didn't have anybody in mind, and Dole told him about me, and he said, get him up here. Did Dole replace you with another ag staffer on his personal staff, or did he just assign you to the ag committee? He just assigned me to the ag committee. Well, well did Gordley? Remember, he was a freshman, or he was a sophomore senator, or whatever it was, but uh, uh, he needed to learn a little bit more about journalism, and I had been in the job of translating agriculture, and so that was why we got along well, and I've been active politically, and I knew all of the the vote-getters in the Republican Party <coughs> because I'd been active in it. Okay, but when you went to work for the Ag Committee, I'm wondering, did... Did Dole still rely on you? You were Dole's person on the Act Committee? That's right. But I worked for all of the Republicans, too. But didn't but he? But they had, they have, when they're on a major committee, they have a person on their staff until they are there long enough to get somebody onto the committee. So and that's how you made that transition? Yeah, yeah. That's how we made it. And didn't, didn't and John? Naturally, and Aiken. It was Senator Aiken from Vermont. Oh, didn't John Gordley come in then? No, no. On the per- when when did he later. come to the personal staff? What? He came later. Oh, he came later. He yeah, didn't come to the personal staff then. Uh, okay. But he wasn't, uh, I don't think Gordley was on when when uh, Hubert was still there. Okay. All right. Do you want to talk about some of the farm bills, the incarnations of the reauthorization? Yeah, go ahead. And um, what were... What were some of the sticking points on the Ag Committee, or what what were Kansas's interests? Did you represent Kansas's interests more than just issues generically, or your position on the Ag Committee? Well, I was, uh, there were two of us, two and of you from there was two of us and a secretary. Oh my God. And the secretary had come from the senator from Iowa, uh, at the behest of uh, uh, Senator, was it Aiken? Aiken was Vermont, wasn't he? Was it Grassley? Was Grassley? No, no, Grassley Mm -hmm. wasn't there. Who was, uh, uh, well, the the politics kind of perked down to... uh, the Democrats lost some. Talmadge became chairman, and Curtis was ranking minority. And mm-hmm. Curtis had been active in uh, finance, I think. He had another committee that he was he was ranking on, and he said, "Hey, 
you've got a guy from Kansas, don't you? That's similar to Nebraska. Wanted, uh, or Dole brought it up. I don't know which, but anyway, we, I came on with Dole and Curtis's support and blessing as after Aiken left. And uh, so... And what were the, what are some of the issues that there were most interesting politically or any other way milk, on the ag Milk. Milk. Milk, because the, the price of milk is determined by a lot of different facts. And uh, the milk producers have a good solid lobby and they had a lot of bad publicity about their contributions because they started a political action committee. And the co-ops were big in milk, and they were controlling the price of milk. And uh, or they were they had an effect. Let's put it: they didn't control. God knows we didn't need that, but uh, they That's did have a definite effect. How did Midwest interests, for example, um, offset Northeast interests, and so on? They were together because the the National Milk Federation included the others, but the primary dairies had always traditionally been the Northeast. And uh, then as dairying changed a lot and cooperatives helped them, uh, the farmers all got together and farmed cooperatives to market their product. And they were not at the uh, beck and call of uh, special interests. And, and they got a, a better price through the cooperative system. How does Congress impact the price of commodities? They they did it jointly with uh, they, they tried to stay away from it as much as they could and hit it at a, a fair market price and that's where they came in because we worked with the growers uh, on a price for there was loan rates. They what they did was pay, give the farmer uh, a loan for what he produced, and uh, at a certain figure. And then whenever he sold it to the market, he paid off the loan plus interest. And that was um, provided by the federal government. Right. Wow. That's how the grain elevators got built because they put them up and they paid storage. And that's how they had feed, and that's how they they were able to feed all these animals. They also had it on corn. They had it on cotton. Cotton was was just as as well, if not as much as milk. The subsidy on cotton was really manipulated because the textile manufacturers were the ones that uh, really benefited from it because it gave them a supply of cotton. It got the quantities up, and we didn't have to import so much stuff to make fabrics out of. And cotton became more of a more of a, a utilization that we all wear. And so the, the, that's one reason the Northeast and uh, the the uh, Midwest were a lot. Uh, they they provided a lot of the stuff that the West Coast needed. And they were producing people the faster than we were producing food. So that was uh, some of the synergism that, that, that brought about the Republicans.
Do you remember issues that Doe wanted or Doe went to bat for that you had to back him up on in the Ag Committee? Everyone he wanted. <laughs> I had, whenever, he, whenever he had to have something, I was supposed to already know it and have it on his, tail, his desk. Did you always agree with his priorities? Yeah, his priorities were mine, unless I knew it was wrong, and I'd tell him that, and he'd accept it, or he'd check it with somebody else. No, Can you it was, think of a time when when he was misinformed, or or when you had to correct him? No, I, I, the ones I remember are the ones when I was misinformed, and he corrected me, because <laughs> this man. It's one of the smartest people I ever know, and he's, he's he does he's got a computer in his head. Someone used the term "hundred percent parody" to me one day in an mm -hmm. interview. What does that mean? That's a target, and they used to provide loans on that's based on the consumption and the historical price, and there's a ratio or something like that. It's Kind of the cost of production against the market price, and so they calculate it, and they figure that the cost of production you could loan up so much, and that's was jointly worked out with the producers and the Department of Agriculture economists, and the Office of Budget and Marketing or whatever you call it, Management and Budget. Uh, but they they set it local prices and. That has gradually just about disappeared. I think the farmers still have it, but they they get the loan so they can plant their crop, and when it's harvested, they pay it off, and uh, it gives them the working capital they need to produce. And then the more, more they produce, the more money they make. And so the fertilizer companies provide the fertilizer, and we now feed a lot of people because of a support program. It's price support, not not payment. They'll get a loan, and then they have to pay it off. What about some of Dole's colleagues on the Ag Committee oh, that are memorable? Wonderful, wonderful. Talk about some of them. Oh, well, the, the, the first one, I uh, can't... Well, Aiken was there. I think it was. There's it was dominated by the the northern and eastern dairy producers because that was the the big item. Nobody ever worried about grain. Was Stafford on the Ag Committee? Stafford, Stafford. Senator Stafford from Vermont. No, who was there before him? Where was Aiken from? He was from Vermont. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Ellender. Was Ellender was a southerner, and he was cotton. See, the cotton and and milk and uh, corn and wheat and others hadn't really gotten into it yet. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why they, they control the deal. And so Talmadge, being from, from cotton, and Aiken from milk, milk and then the co-ops got big enough that they broke down that choke on them and they started producing milk all over the United States. 
and along with the industry, and everybody got together. And so, so did corn begin to take over, and corporations like uh, Archer Daniel Midlands and whatnot during your time on the committee? They sure did. No, they didn't. They had more impact, but mainly corn is a feed. Okay, and uh, Dwayne has taken off on another. Uh, angle there on and he's had a hell of a time selling it but uh, he's he's right and it'll all probably come about one of these days but uh, he's he hits another little nerve every once in a while and comes up with a new product so uh, Dwayne Andrus is uh, a very knowledgeable person I've dealt with his staff and his people for years and as I have with the milk producers, cooperatives from all over the country in California and so forth, and with the beef producers and with the wool producers and so forth. Wool is pretty much off by itself. It's never caused that much problem. But uh, these people all want to make a good living for their farmers. And the farmers know how, if they'll give them a, a cost of production, they can help market it with their contacts and their work overseas and their work with land land grant colleges who develop new uses for products. And all of this goes together with a marketing system that uh, nobody else has got and a delivery system which nobody else has got. How did farmers react to Dole on the whole? How did their political organizations, special interests um, interact with Dole? when you were on the Ag Committee? They courted him because he was a, he was not a, a flip-flopper and he was not a, an assumer, but he had us work with them till we make damn sure what they were saying was true. So whatever they, they would feed me, I would check with the Department of Agriculture, who would check with OMB, who would check with this and check with that. And we set up systems where we can verify the stuff and properly inform him. And a, a good help along that are people like Martin Sorkin. Martin Sorkin is uh, an economist and I don't know what all, but he is Dwayne Andreas's man in Washington. And uh, he was working with other people too. I mean, he, he stays up on the market. But there are many other people, so I, I can't name them all, but uh, I could with a little research if I had my old telephone books. Uh, the corn people, the cattle people, uh, leather goods, uh, corn and Cotton. syrups and whiskey and anything you eat or consume or wear, and it's uh, it's at the same time the government was helping coordinate production to assure them of of, of cost production, and then. In turn, the farmers turned around <clears throat> with senators' support 
and all others, because that's one thing Bob Dole brought to them, was the fact that our wheat growers, our corn growers, are developing uh, markets overseas, and that's going to assure that the loan program will work. So that's, uh, it's just been wonderful that the way they worked with the world food groups, the uh, United Nations, I don't know, it never, never really got into it, but the, the farmers have developed <coughs> uh, contacts worldwide, wheat growers, corn growers, uh, and soybeans, and other food derivatives out of agriculture, uh, they go over there and they they develop markets and they they hire people from there to come over here and learn about it and go back and tell people. And that's how our economy is really based. We've produced enough feed, food to feed us adequately, and still ship a lot overseas. Did you work on the Food for Peace program? Uh, well, that was a political, food for peace is a generality. The whole thing is food for peace. I mean, if we can keep things settled by feeding people, that's a lot better than bullets. And what about the uh, child nutrition and WIC and... That's something that uh, came on during the time I was on the committee. And that, did you, so you worked on those? We hired staffers to to come to work on that, Uh, and uh, economists, or home economists that that knew foods. We got into diets and that sort of thing. We didn't administer them. We didn't, you know, all we did was make information available. And then... Here, here's when the growers take over. They take the information that USDA may provide or the food and drug people provide, and they make sure that everybody knows what's good and what's bad about a product, a, a, a commodity, and that it's utilized properly and that the consumer is assured of a good product. And so that's it's kind of like a... A governmental guarantee that our food's good, and it's not a guarantee. It's once uh, they're they're preparing a lot of food themselves, and when you but they know the product is going to be good. From when you started until you left the ag committee, had the staff mushroomed? You hired many many staffers, right? No, you didn't. No. I don't know how many staffers they have now, but they have a majority of minority staff, and uh, they work separately but closely together. And uh, unless somebody pulls something, they don't dare do that anymore. I don't think. But they uh, they get a lot of input from a lot of people, the finance committee and the. Uh, the uh, State Department, the Food and Agriculture Organizations. Uh, you have to maintain contact with all those people. That's what staff does. They get the information from all those sources and then feed it to the men who uh, 
get together and with you in the background uh, work out some deals. Deals right. being policies or uh, thoughts or actions they may take or ways they may go. Talk about the um, times that you had to take a leave of absence from the Ag Committee to work on Dole campaigns. Didn't you have to do that just once? I don't know. A presidential campaign. No, it was it was it was Dole's first re-election campaign. Oh, okay. And that that was a pretty serious step because you had to go to Curtis. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And tell him that you really wanted to leave, but you needed to be able to come back to the job afterwards. Oh, the '74 campaign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, that's another chapter, isn't it? <laughs> Just before we leave the, the, the uh, <clears throat> Ag Committee, um, some people have made the assumption or the insinuation that <clears throat> Dole's interests in farm policy uh, involved who was providing campaign funds for him and whatnot. Was, talk about that a little bit. Was there any relationship between what Dole wanted to have accomplished in the Agricultural Committee and who was supporting his political career? Yes and no. I mean, uh, I'd say hell no. The man wouldn't allow it. If it was done, it was done through providing him information and he may weighs his own makes his own judgment on it. But uh, the sugar lobby and the other, they learned that if they help the man, they'll, they'll help. If they feed the people, they're going to have to have the product. And so if they're asking for something outrageous, he'd balk immediately. Uh, I've never seen him sell out for the bucks. So he never came to you and said, we, we, need, we owe these people a favor. Uh, Bob Dole would never do that. He'd tell me to look into it, see what it's all about. He said, why didn't you tell me about this earlier? That's usually what he said. He so forced, tell about, me that. What about the campaigns? Because Bill had to work on, Bill chose to work on a number of the campaigns. Yeah, so what did you do in the 74 campaign? Refresh my memories. <laughs> well, you went to Wichita? You went to Wichita? Oh. And Well, who were we running against? Bill Roy. Bill Roy. Oh. And the senator was down a lot, 13, yeah. 14 points. Yeah. Ago. Now, you laugh when you hear the name Bill Roy. What, what, <laughs> what's going on in your mind? Well, that was one that I really wanted to get into because it was, that was... Uh, the votes were in Johnson County, and uh, was it Roy running against Dole? Oh yeah, and he was really beating Dole. He was yeah. really in the first of October. He was really okay. It looked like it was a lost campaign, and the well, votes were in Johnson County and Wichita, Sedgwick. Yeah, County. okay. Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, Johnson County that was. That was his first re-election? That was his first re-election. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that After was that, when, he coasted. That was when I came here and I went to Johnson County first yep. because that's where the airplane landed and talked to him and talked to John Frankie. And John Frankie was on top of, of Republican politics in Johnson County, which is a percentage of the total vote, the biggest in the whole state. And that's all the suburbs of Kansas, and and that coupled with the others, uh, and with uh, Sabelius being in uh, Topeka and and also in the House, that helped us because he would cover out the outlying areas. And so I came back and got a hold of my friends that I'd worked campaigns before, before, and uh, along with the people that were staffing it. Uh, rented an apartment, and about three or four people stayed there uh, from different times, and we were working out and going out and making appearances and talking to people. And, and Did Sebelius campaign for Doe? I wouldn't think so, because Sebelius was in the house. He probably no, no, made no, appearances for No, his for staff. Doe. I mean, yeah. his, what, what was the question? Well, did did Sabias, who was in the House, did he campaign for Dole for that re-election? In his district, yeah. Okay, in yeah, supporting yeah. him in his yeah. in the first district, yeah. I'm sure that was probably when yeah. when uh, uh, one of the times that Sabias, uh, I mean that uh, oh, who were the guys? Oh, uh, Fred Bramlage. Fred Bramlage was a past commander and in uh, from Junction City, and uh, Keith Sabias was uh, there, and uh, uh, who was the one from American how, how Legion you, came to town, and we went down and, and saw them. And how do you think that you pulled the election out? for Dole when he was 13 points behind? Uh, Johnson County with John Frankie's leadership and I like to claim Wichita and Hutchinson and that area because I was working that area. And you took the, you organized the Democrats down there because that was yeah, a heavily Democrat some, area. I had a lot of good Democrat friends down mm-hmm. there that were conservative. And also Bill Wolford. Yeah. worked on that Wolf. campaign. Yeah. yeah. And then I think you worked for the um, Dole for Vice President campaign in 76 when he was the candidate with Ford. Didn't you? Oh, yeah. And did you take He had a off? campaign and I was working it. Yeah. And did you take time off from the Ag Committee for that? You had to, right? No? No, I don't think, I don't think you did. I don't know what you did on that campaign. I think I was out of there, wasn't I? No, in 76 you weren't. When you had you were on the platform committee in uh, Kansas City, and you were out there in Kansas City when he was nominated. When Ford was nominated, and then he chose Dole as his running mate. Yes, okay. Right. And I think you... I think... I think you did. I don't. I don't, you didn't overtly campaign in the sense of going out and establishing an office, but like all of us, 
you know, we well, called and we did things like that. this is six years after Wichita, right? Right. Well, uh, two years. Yeah. Two years or Senate? No, 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 no. He was reelected. No, we're talking about the president, the presidential campaign. Oh, the presidential yeah. campaign. I yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have some recollections of that uh, convention, the Kansas City Convention in '76? Not a lot. I mean, I was there, and uh, it, that was thing things different than I'd ever dealt with. Uh, I dealt with people, and these this was a lot of uh, high mucky mucks and stuff like that. Uh, and it's uh, I don't know. I, I am I fair in that? It's it wasn't a lot we could. We had to carry two state, two counties. But uh, no, we're, no talking we're talking about the pres. We're talking sorry. about the presidential and. And actually, didn't you really work with Sorry. those states where you knew people? Because he had to, he had to carry the Midwest. He had to carry certain states, and I think he did that. Oh, okay. And you worked okay, with your with your back. friends and contacts out there. I wasn't uh, real big on that because that's once you get in a presidential campaign. Uh, you try and maintain his integrity in, in whatever mm -hmm. is being said. And uh, some people would uh, check with you before they did it. And uh, if they didn't, I'd let the senator know and he'd tell them what to do because these were pros. Mm -hmm. Now, you were on the platform committee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, and you were probably there because of your agricultural expertise. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so part of that platform was a agricultural plank. Right. Mm -hmm. That you helped. Right. Yeah, we had, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't remember explicitly, but that was something that was pretty much put together by the committee and, uh, and the producers and so forth. In all the Dole campaigns you worked on, did you advise Dole or did you mostly go out and speak to potential voters? Or what did you do on, taken as a group, what did you do on his three presidential campaigns? And, three. Do you remember? You raise money, for one thing. Yeah, He's a very true. good man at raising money. Well, I had, I had uh, punched the button before, and yeah. I knew all these guys. And, yeah. and I know that they had gotten a fair shake, and... So, yeah, I uh, called him up and said, you know, it's time. Money in Kansas or money across All over. The no, I was, uh, this is uh, milk, dairy. Um, cotton? Yeah, some, yeah, cotton. And there, you, you log roll there. Because uh, once uh, cotton wants something, then they know that we're going to want something. And uh, same thing with sugar and and all the other things, and it's it's gotten a lot broader than that now, but the money flow is there because the people who are interested in in Bob Dole are interested because of everything he does. Yeah. You can't limit it to agriculture, mm -hmm. and so we would go to the the end product and uh, 
how it affects the people, but uh, it was still pretty much basic politics. And when you were an advisor to the World Food Conferences in Rome, and I guess accompanied the respective agriculture secretaries, were you representing Senator Dole on those, or you were representing, I suppose, you were just an expert from the Ag Committee on loan to the Department of Agriculture for these meetings, is that right? Yeah, there was myself and uh, a guy from Minnesota. Uh, No, let's see. We were we were there as part of the delegation mm -hmm. to the World Food Conference, and it was more of uh, supporting the commodity groups that went over and made the pitch that we have our products and we'll help you. Uh, do in the most effective way and feed as many people as we can and our food aid programs and, and how we can work this and that's that's the main thrust of it. It was all done on a on a high level and all we did was produce the, if, we, if they wanted a question answered we'd do it but it was it was largely developed long before we ever left the United States. The World Food Conference was there to feed the people of the world and make sure it's it's continued to have a food supply. And I, I think anybody checks it, they'll find out that feed, food, there's more food produced now and more people fed. A good, good balance, not balanced, but a good diet of the essential stuff. And the essential is, is some form of meat which some is locally determined, but it's uh, also determined by mass production like chicken and so forth and, and beef as we export and all sorts of things that agriculture stimulates. It's either as a product or as feed for production of a product. And so it's, it's not a direct thing that you can take up. So you talk about that's the reason we have a World Food Conference, is to determine that there is a supply and that uh, the c companies, the countries that are producing are performing. And then uh, well, the integrity yeah. of the program. As to Dole, um, can you talk about Dole as a boss, as a candidate, as a senator? Um, first of all, what was Dole like as a boss? What's his boss supposed to be like? Well, you know his boss. Well, how did how did he interact with his staff, and what kind of well, an ambience that's, was there? That's he's he expected us. To to do the right thing. And the more you did the right thing before he had to tell you about it, the better off you were. Was so, he a hands-on kind of boss? Was he intrusive? Was he 
or it, it sounds to me like you're saying he gave you enough rope to hang yourselves. Oh, well, you have that automatically when you go to work for him. If you don't uh, size it up and do the right thing, you know pretty much after the second trip. Uh, so he uh, didn't micromanage? Oh, hell no. And because you were on the committee staff? Well, we never took any action because it's, it's always in his name. So we never took any actions that he would, uh, we would try and, and get unanimity or 51% of a committee or a group of whatever. Uh, you want to be, have a, a, a winning position because it usually comes down to a vote. Whether it be a food conference or a uh, Senate or committee, uh, he wants the right thing done at the finish line. Did, did your, the timing of your leaving the Senate coincide with his becoming finance committee chairman? Is that why you left the Ag Committee? No, I had a better deal. Uh. I had a hell of a deal. Uh, but it fit right with it because, I mean, Curtis was willing for me to stay. But I had this opportunity to go for a guy that represented the, the Vatican. Yeah. And uh, that kind of whelmed over me because I didn't realize what it amounted to. It wasn't. He handled it himself. Was that Martin Haley? Yeah. And... Uh, he represented the Vatican, and he was uh, tripping to Rome all the time. And, and all we did was back it up when he needed something here. Can but we had the Mars Corporation, yeah. and that was the biggie. And uh, Joe Johnson and Martin or somehow got that. And uh, I forget who I had. <laughs> So you had big contracts, particularly with agriculture. Yeah, I had I had a lot of ag stuff. When you were in this government relations PR firm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's. Uh, but I have to interject here. I, I still have this vision when uh, when that election was over in '80, and we were at the big party. You know, when we saw the returns coming in, I can still see Bill and Powell Moore dancing on the floor. Because, you know, we had taken the Senate, and this oh. is the first time in anybody's memory, their memory, that we'd ever had the Senate. And I kept, and they kept saying to each other, why aren't we still there? We'd be in the majority. Why aren't we still there? Yeah. But you, were, you guys were just ecstatic, yeah. just as everybody was. But the two of them were just, you know, just beyond belief. Did you talk to Hyde? No, Powell Moore is who I was talking about. Oh, yeah, Powell, Powell Moore, because yeah, okay. he had been in the White House for yeah, some time, right. and then yeah. he left and and gone back again, and then he, I guess he went back with Reagan then. Yeah. So was it was it hard to walk away from Washington and, and go to work for Haley? Oh no, no no, I was ready. And what when you say that, what do you mean? Why were you ready? Well, it's just that I I would like to see the the outside of it, and I hope to make some money. And uh, a guy with uh, clients like that and uh, lived in Washington, D.C. and traveled to Rome periodically and 
uh, had something behind it. And then uh, I was, Joe and I were responsible for the Mars Corporation account. And uh, was it Joe? Who was it? Well, what? It wasn't it Joe? Who's Joe? Who's the Arkansas boy? That's who he is. Joe what? Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Uh-huh. On the sea. My well, she came up with the Johnson. Joe Johnson. I'm taking credit for it. Uh, and he had mine. He gave me that, and I had uh, two or three others. I can't call right now. But the that and getting uh, the the airport at Nashville or someplace. Memphis. Memphis. Or FedEx. Memphis. Well, talk about your relationship with Dole after you left the Senate. Both you and Judy seem to be in fairly regular contact with Dole or Dole staff since Mm -hmm. 79 when you left the Senate. What's Mm -hmm. that about? Uh... Well, I, has anybody told you about the Dole Alumni Association? No. Well, I've got a whole file downstairs that you might want to look at, but uh, we had a convention out in L.A. Was that during a, that that was was during a Republican convention? It was the Republican convention when Dole was running. So Allison Carter, who works for the Dole Institute, Allison Heath Carter, and uh, myself and Judy Harbaugh, Judy Bryan. Uh, I've got a file down there. I'll be glad to share that with you. We put on a a big bash out there for the uh, what was the event? Dole alumna. Dole the alumna. People yeah. who people yeah, who had worked for that. Nineteen eighty or which? Yeah. Well, let's see. That was well, no. Okay, yeah, it wouldn't have been right? the 80 convention. It, it was, was a, it was 96. 96. Yeah, it was 96 when he... Well, uh, I'll get it later, but it's, yeah. it's got a lot of names and everything's yeah. in it. Now the convention was in San Diego. But uh, Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so up in, from 79 to 96, anyway, you've been active. But describe your activities, both your and Judy's activities, um... When Dole calls, you say you take action. So why would he call? Mm-hmm. Well, after that many years, he knew me pretty well and knew Judy pretty well. And uh, he would, uh, he didn't call a hell of a lot. I mean, he's usually asked second-guessed him and get the information to him before. But then, but then in 88, you know, he ran in the primary against Bush. And, uh, and I don't know, I mean, we were both involved with it. I went out to campaign for a weekend, and I don't know what, I think you were supporting him, but it's just, it seems like a long period of time, doesn't it? But it's not been a long period of time because every time he starts to do something, or want some sort of support, then then somehow we hear about it. And so, you know, we've always been involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you said once you worked for Dole, you always you would work never for Dole. stop working for Dole. You, you wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to. And yeah. So, 
And even if he fact. fired you, you'd probably still help him. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? He's devoted. He's devoted to the country, the nation, and the people. Well, that means in concrete terms is that if he has a if he's campaigning, you're sure that you contribute what you can, and with him it's always been whatever the legal limit is. And, but then in other things, when he's, uh, well, like when he wrote this book, this last book, and, uh, and we, I don't know, how many did we buy? We mm -hmm. bought, it seems to me, hundreds of them, because we kept buying these books and sending them out to people. And I would buy them, and I would send them up by messenger for him to sign. And the last time, the last time, I think I had 20 books. And Joanne called, and she said, the senator wants to know if you will be offended if Mo Taggart signs these. She says, you know, he says signing 20 books is a lot of books at one time. And he appreciates your buying the books, but he doesn't want to have to sign them all. So is it all right if Mo does it? I said, yes, she can. I, I said, you know, I thought, he, I thought she was signing them all along. I didn't know for sure that he was signing it. But, I mean, those are things that, that you do. No relation to me. I yeah, no relation, no relation. But then Elizabeth became active uh, in a lot of things. She, I mean, she was, yeah. you know, she was um, at DOT and she was at Red Cross. We didn't help so much at Red Cross. No. But it, but she's, you know, there's just there's just been connections. Well, I, not I, so I, much recently with Elizabeth. What, but, uh, what was it? we had a a uh, staff dinner. At, uh, oh, we had a party for Judy Harbaugh when she went, when she left, and the Doles came to that. Is yeah. that when? Uh, I don't know. He went over and he took me over. He said, "I want you to meet somebody." Oh, that's that when was, that was down at the Watergate. We had a staff. Well, that's when you met Elizabeth. Yeah, he yes. says, "Come here, I want you to meet somebody." Yeah, that's when. So you, he walked across the. the dining room there and walked me over and introduced me to Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. That's when you first met her. Yeah. I don't know whether I either heard of her or not, but then it's still Oh, there are, were always rumors about yeah. him. So. <laughs> always, always, oh, well, always somebody was, what, you know, was... What was her... Not bad rumors, but, you know, like Andor McLaughlin, I think, would have liked to have have you talked to her? No, no. Well, I shouldn't be saying that. But I think that, I think she had her eyes on the senator. We always gossip about things like that. But it was very, it was, I don't think anybody saw Elizabeth coming. I don't think anybody really knew that this was Are you serious. going to get to talk to Judy Harbaugh? Yeah, Based for sure. Based on your recommendation, I think. Absolutely, oh, you, you have to. to. Did you, you have to. Uh, did, did, did uh, you pick up on uh, Elizabeth having any major influence on the senator? No. He didn't change in any significant way? Or? I think he was happier. Yeah. I think he was happier. But I don't think she influenced him politically. Now, I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I didn't feel that. But she's a, she, she was a warm person, and, uh, and she was, you know, when I was ill and... I guess in 90 or so. Can I take she a She was always, yeah, go right ahead. I've got to drain my radiator. Here, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. i got to hit the mic. 
way. All right. Okay. Biggie. <laughs> um, how do you think Dole will be remembered as time goes on? Take some thought because it's uh, the easy route is is a statesman, a diplomat, a leader. Hundred percent American. That'd be the first thing. From the plains of Kansas. Which makes him a hundred percent honest in what he did in the Yeah. In the Senate. And he's uh he's been uh deprived of some of uh the dexterity that a lot of us enjoy, but it's been ignored, uh, and overwhelmed by his integrity and his way with people. His knowledge of right and wrong. And he's always got a handout, or his, his handout, to help somebody that's willing to work and help the country. Unless you want to go on for an hour. Do you have, have you talked to people who just know about all the people he's helped? You know, he's done this without anybody knowing. He's helped children, he's helped families. Oh, yeah. He's reached, He's helped a lot of people that, that nobody ever knows about. Put kids through school. And I don't know the names of all those people he's helped, but I do know that that's... Mo, that Mo should know, shouldn't he? Pardon? Mo. Mo Taggart. Well, Ruth Ann would know if she would talk about it. Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann would know. Yeah, Ruth Ann. Ruth yeah. Ann would Ruth know. Ann Comark, you got to talk to. Yeah, Ruth Ann would and know. And she'll And I she haven't talked she'll to her. She'll fight you. Yeah. But if you want, we'll work with you. Tell, tell her we'll be there too. But she's maybe uh, maybe Ruth Ann would come over here some morning. She might. I mean, the only time we ever get Ruth Ann to. Maybe we've told you this. Yeah. To socialize with us is to take her to breakfast at the warehouse, which she would do, but you don't want to interview her. Maybe she would come here some Saturday morning if you, if you would like to try that. Uh, yeah, you gave me her number, actually. Yeah. And so yeah. I think 
We might do that. I think I'll stop the recording now. Because okay. we've gotten off, haven't we? <laughs> would you want Would you want Judy to talk to her first?